So what's your plan in today's market with, with AI, with uh, things changing, the, the, uh, the commissions uh, not being paid by the, the buyer brokers? Where do you see you in three to five years? Like, what, where, how do you picture the real estate business? Just to let you know, because you should know. <clears throat> Thanks for joining in. We have Steve Games today. I know most of you know him. If you don't know him, you will know him by the end of this interview. Instrumental uh, realtor, successful broker. In fact, world-renowned, being the biggest uh, realtor in America, especially on the uh, Pacific Coast, where he combined uh, several franchises to uh, create uh, a very successful uh, career for himself. Uh, we're going to speak into him, and uh, here we go. Enjoy. So Several franchises. Several. That's, a, that, that's an interesting, perhaps. Well, I, I was going on the, I, I'm starting at the Rock, the yeah. Prudential Rock. Well, I, I think it's interesting to go way before that. And I had, I had come out of the Navy. Uh, I'd spent eight years uh, in the United States Navy, all of which I'm very proud of, by the way. And uh, we don't want to get off on that subject, but. Well, why not? Uh, I wanted well, to. I actually wanted to talk to you the way I was gonna. Well, Frank, he, he was on the Kitty Hawk, and the Kitty Hawk was um, one of our longest-lasting diesel. Uh, was it diesel or gas? Yeah, it was diesel. Diesel. Yeah. And it used it used steam to catapult. Um, what was it like? Oh, being cat on that? catapulting the uh, aircraft. Yeah, the big steam. Well, first of all, let's start by. Well, let's hear what he did in the Navy. Yeah. yeah, whatever you guys want to do. I want to hear that. I you think know, this is good stuff. You know, I think what's I, I think what I'd like to to say about uh, the Navy is that uh, I I went in the Navy as a complete loser. Uh, <laughs> How old were you? Uh, I was just eighteen. Yeah. Wow. And I had graduated last from my class in Glendale High School in the late summer. Stay, stay a little extra. <laughs> and and I, I literally uh, had nothing. And I had a beautiful family, and, and they loved me dearly, and they were nice, wonderful, successful people. But I was the, I was the, the troubled black child. Yeah. Uh, 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 back, you know, today you can have SD, AD, RD, LD, or whatever, seven, all kinds of different descriptions of – uh, when when I was in school, they called it S-T-U-P-I-D. Right? <laughs> I know that acronym. Exactly. Yeah. I thought yeah, I was the only one who had that. Yeah, no. you, you know, and I remember, I remember my father, he, he was uh, uh, very involved in the Mercury program. He was a rocket scientist. And, and he said, well, maybe we should take the kid downtown and in this in Los Angeles. And they took me to, to take the aptitude test for trade school, and I failed it, which, which really was. Yeah. How do you fail an aptitude test? Yeah, they, they did love me, <laughs> and I failed it. I failed another test later on in my life, too, but I, I failed them all. And uh, <laughs> the only place where, where I felt that, that I got a, a fair shake was in the United States Navy, and, and it was something that— uh, I remember being here in in what's what's now called Liberty Station, right? And I was going through boot camp in Liberty Station, and they had a, <clears throat> they had a program where there were only two awards that that you could win, and and you could win it uh, out of six hundred men. 
So it was a, uh, a group composed of, of uh, 10 uh, uh, companies of 60 men, and you could win this. You could win either the outstanding recruit or you could win the honor man. And uh, clearly, uh, I felt that I could compile more points. I was in good shape. I, I was smart enough. I could maybe win that. And so uh, they, they test you on everything, and you go through 13 weeks. And at the end of it, uh, I was the outstanding recruit. Wow. Of, that's good. Of, uh, Out of 600. Of 600 men. Yeah, that's huge. And as I was getting ready to leave uh, and go to Memphis, Tennessee, of all places, but that's where my next school was, uh, the lieutenant came up to me and he said, that's quite an honor. You, you know, and he said, would you like to know how many votes you got for honor man? And I was figuring probably out of 600 because the men voted for honor right. man. Out of 600, I probably got two or 250 votes. And the other guy probably got 300 or close to that. And he looked at me and I said, yeah, oh, absolutely. I'd love to know. And he said, one. <laughs> For the honor. One? You got one vote. And I said, Was it you? Does that include me? And he <laughs> right. said, It was you. <laughs> and, and at that particular point in my life, uh, it's the most important day of my life, absolutely, with, with no exception, because what I realized was amassing points and being number one and defeating everybody else is about the least important thing you can actually do in life. And it sent me off with goosebumps and fear and everything else that you could possibly imagine to become what I would consider myself to be. I, I would consider myself to be a realtor, and I, I see that as a badge of courage. Uh, for me, it's, it's the most extraordinary thing that I could have found as a career. But I also see myself as a leader, and it was from that one vote that I realized that leadership was something that I had to learn. And the United States Navy, at, at threat of, of my own life, taught me leadership. Uh, I was the flight deck troubleshooter uh, on an aircraft carrier deck, which is statistically the most dangerous place in the world. Right. And With uh, the cables? Yeah, those yeah, cables. I, I, yeah. Everything. Chopping and people in half. The, the cables are kind of insignificant in comparison to being burnt, right. sucked up, run over blown off, uh, you know, the list, right, right. <laughs> the list is engaging right. to say the least. So, uh, I learned that the people around me, the men around me that, that trusted me, uh, lived and died based on my ability Decision, to lead. Right. And, and unlike people who, who are my true heroes in life, which are the soldiers who get shot at, uh, that's a different fear. Right. You know, my possibilities of, of being maimed or killed or whatever came from mechanical mistakes. Right. Or from from mistakes that you could make actually yourself. Your own errors. Not not from the threat of right. a round hitting in the head. So, so, yeah. I, I mean, those are the true heroes, and right. and I will always salute them, no matter no matter what. And but but leadership is, is such an interesting thing, and. I, I actually stopped you when you were talking about franchise real estate because I got out of the Navy and went to a class at Mesa College. And, and it's the first college class. I, I, I mean, I, don't, I was like intimidated by going to right. Mesa College at night, right? 
And so I went to this class, and it was it was called um, uh, Real Estate Principles, which which I found out you had to take to get your real estate license. And uh, I think it was uh, the professor. Now this is a night school teacher, right? And and we called him professor. And and so somewhere in my life, I also. Uh, learned that whatever level you're at in education, the person who's teaching you is the most valuable person on earth to you at that particular time. The professor says, I'm going to revolutionize real estate business forever. He says, uh, and I said to my buddy, he's a night school teacher at Mesa who's this guy? Right. What was it? What's he talking about? And, and so we went through the class and at the end of the class, when we were graduating, he he said, by the way, boys, I told you uh, that uh, that I was going to revolutionize the real estate business. And, and we said, okay, how are you going to do that? Now, remember where the conversation started. He said, I'm going to franchise the real estate business with my partners, and we're going to call our company Century 21. Jeez. Okay. He did it. Right, obviously. He did it. Don't ever doubt, doubt. anybody. Right. Yeah, anybody with a dream. Never look, underestimate look, anyone. Uh, right. Frank, he changed my entire life. Changed Everything that I've lives. ever done in real estate, uh, short of the most important thing, which I guess we should get to, is that that franchise became my way. I'm, I'm probably... It. the most successful right. guy in franchise. The, the Colonel Sanders uh, of real estate. You know, of, take, <laughs> of taking advantage of it. So so it was was a guy named Bob Leeds who started the whole thing as one of the four partners with Century 21, which they found it here in San Diego, by the way, which is, is pretty, pretty incredible. It Steve, is incredible. Let, a lot of things started in San Diego. Let me go back just a bit about leadership because you're definitely a leader. People follow you. And there's uh, two rules of thought on leadership. Some are born with it, and some have to, some develop it. And and you said because you got that one vote. But knowing you, and knowing people who know you, and knowing people who talk about you, is born with. I it. think you were, you had to have something. Some competitive even, edge. Even though even though you may not have done well in school, and I and I don't fault you for that. I fault a lot of times the school itself and the teachers. Maybe they give up or they just didn't – because you're not a dumb guy. Yeah, you don't fit in the box. You don't You don't fit in the box. But what is your thoughts on are leaders born or are they developed? Or is it combo? Uh, I think that that anybody can become a leader. And I think it's it's a combination of – street smart and education that can allow you to do that mm-hmm. and and where you get exposed to and whether or not in your heart you have the desire to give and i i i think giving is is really an interesting uh part of leadership uh now there's a lot of leaders uh but they don't lead people so leading people for me is completely different than than just being a leader in a business or in an industry. There's lots of leaders in our industry that, that don't even like the people they lead. So, so my trick was compassion. It was uh, empathy. 
uh, all of those kinds of things uh, because I knew what it was like uh, to not be accepted or appreciated. Right. And, and, and I believe that from the heart, but I was, uh, I was born funny. Right. And, and so, <laughs> you know, if you can, if you think leadership has to do with being funny, you know, I, I I'll give you an example of how my life okay. changed and, and it, it's about leadership. It's about mm -hmm. childhood. It's about risk. And, and risk is, is something that a leader has to be able to take. And it's a risk to be the leader. Therefore, so I'm, I'm in high school and I did well with, with the social world, particularly, uh, I, I think I was good with relationships and that sort of stuff behind the scenes. And, and, and so I wanted to date and I was in high school and my parents wouldn't give me any money and I wasn't doing, unless I did well in school, which comes first, the chicken or the right, egg, right? right? It got you. So, so I decided to go to work in the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, it's a famous place, and right. it, it, it's certainly incredible. And I went to the Hollywood Bowl because I heard there was a job available uh, as a prom captain. And what prom captains do is they take people's tickets, and they look at the tickets, and then they take them to the seat, and they wear a tuxedo. And in those days, you wore a tuxedo, which was a rented tuxedo that they gave you. And I think they paid you $8 a night. Please don't hold me to the accuracy because that was a long time right. ago. It was 1963, actually. And, and uh, the guy said I could have the job as the prime captain, uh, prom captain. And I said, thank you. And as I was walking out, a guy that looked like uh, the fox in Pinocchio, uh, <laughs> you know, the guy that talks, talks the uh, Pinocchio into going yeah. onto the yeah, island and gets yeah. him in all the trouble, right? Yeah. That, guy, that guy came out and he said, hey, kid, hey, kid, you want a real job? And I said, what do you mean a real job? He said, I got a real job. I got a real job for you. Talk fast. I mean, slick guy. And he says, uh, he says uh, that $8 isn't going to do you any good. He says, uh, I can get you a job where you can make more money. And I said, what's the job? And he said, uh, I want you to rent my cushions. I said, rent your cushions? He said, yeah. He says, we rent cushions here in the Hollywood Bowl because all the benches are, are Hard. wood. Right. He said, so so uh, you rent a cushion for 15 cents, you keep a nickel, I keep a dime. I did my little calculating, and my father's a mathematician, and I figured I'd better involve him, so I went home and asked which job I should take. And it changed, changed my relationship with my father, uh, who was a, a high-rated... Uh, rocket scientist, engineer uh, of some esteem, and a big man, big, powerful guy who was of the old world where you didn't hug and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. And he said, let me think about it. And I explained both jobs to him. And when we got up in the morning, he said to me, he said, he said, you should, you should take the, the uh, cushion job. Yeah. And I said, why? And he said, uh, because it's, it's you. Yeah, well, it worked. And I said. You turned cushions into what homes. Are, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and he said, well, he went to the opening of the uh, L.A. Coliseum in 1932. And uh, since then, he'd been going to the Coliseum, and he always watched the peanut guys, yeah. the peanut salesmen. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was, yeah. too. And, I and, love those guys. And I said to him, uh, 
what's that got to do with me in the Hollywood Bowl? He said, you need to be like the successful peanut salesman. And I said, uh, how many are there? And he said, he thinks there's 50 peanut salesmen in the in the <laughs> it's just Coliseum, <laughs> right? And I, I said, well, what should I be like? He said, well, there's only two of them that make any money. Right. And I said, what's the difference between the 48 that don't and the two that do? He says, the two that do don't sell peanuts. <laughs> I said, I said, what do they sell? He said, themselves. Right. Yeah. He said, themselves, and that's what you're capable of doing. Right. That's a good, that's a good yeah, one. Good, smart right? so, so I went, I went to the Hollywood Bowl, and I, I uh, uh, took the con- concession job. The, the you have to give the job. tux back. Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't get to wear a tux, <laughs> and, and, and uh, I was a little frazzled about that, but. I, my my father said they have a spiel, and I said, "What's a spiel?" And he explained it to me, and so I came up with a spiel. You want to hear the spiel? Yeah, uh, absolutely, of, of course. It says uh, you get a cushion, you know, fifteen cents a long, no children, real hard bench, and parents just can't see some scans. People end up with the red the bottle, sold. People say, <laughs> what, the, "What the heck?" Why say, say what? Say it again. Yeah, yeah get a cushion, you know, fifteen cents a long, no children, real hard bench, and parents just can't see some scans. People end up with the bottle. Hey, kid, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, hey, rent my cushions. I'll tell you what I said. <laughs> right? They said, oh, come on, come on, come on. Tell us what you said. I said, I'll slow it down. You can hear it. Uh, rent my cushions. They said, okay, we'll take the cushions. I said, if you like the cushions, can I keep the change? Right? Uh. Said, yeah, the cushions are cushions. He said, well, if you like the spiel, can I keep the change? Right? right? And they said, yeah, give it to us again. If you, you can have the change. So now I got a 50 cent piece in my Smart, hand, right? right? Or right. I got a dollar in my hand. And if I, if, if they like what I said, I get to keep the change. Wow. Okay. I got you. I got so, you. so now what I've got is I've got a spiel that says, you get a cushion here. It's only 15 cents. It's a long, long show on a real hard bench. It's a pain reliever that's guaranteed not to upset your stomach. And the Anison people never thought to put it in the bottle and people would crack up laughing, <laughs> right? They'd rent more cushions. I became the pre-show for the Hollywood Bowl. Wow. Right? And and I made enough money to drive a Corvette to and from my senior year in high school. Yeah! yeah. That was good. <laughs> Did you ever think about getting in uh, showbiz? Like for uh, your, the entertainment values? Anyone ever spot you and go, you need to be in showbiz as kid? Come on. The, the, the answer to that is... Yeah, I, mean, I, I, was, I, was, listening, I, I was listening to a... Um, uh, podcast or something this morning uh, called, oh, what was it, Blockbuster or Netflix. I think you've probably heard it. It's it's current on Inman and and it's yeah. it's pretty abrasive and and it it talks about. So so did I ever think about getting into to being an actor or an actress? I am. You are. Right. 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 And and it's the most important single thing to helping people find their dream. See, it's not phony. Right. It's styling. It's right. presentation. It's making people feel good. Right. It's everything that acting does when it goes on the video screen. And I act every day. And I'm so proud of it. I can't stand it. And what that, that whole show was about this morning is not – who will replace who in the real estate business? It was what kind of company will replace the other kind of company in the real estate business, not about replacing the real estate agent because the real estate agent can't be replaced. 
Got it. And yep. and and for how many years, Frank, have we heard? We're going to be replaced. Yeah, we're going to be going replaced. I, I agree with you. You know, people are being replaced. You were talking yeah. about it earlier. People are being replaced in every sense. But when it comes to the heart and then when it comes to your home and when it comes to the American dream. Yeah. You can't do it. You can't replace the real estate agent. No. You can replace the bad real estate agent. Right. And you can replace the real estate agent that doesn't know what chat is, right, and doesn't understand what technology is. But you can't replace me if I'm staying up to date in technology and I'm ready to go out and do the very best that I can in terms of leading the real estate process. It's really important to you, I can tell, just by the last 10 seconds, that the American dream is what I'm going to assume is driving you. Why is it so important to you for people to own their own house? It's such a big question. I know. It's it's such a big question. We have time. And it's... It's, it's huge. But it seems like when I see you choke up a little bit, you get emotional. I'm the same way as you. People with humor tend to be like that. We're focused on, and what I'm focused on, what my brother focused on, because as you know, we're two uh, real estate brokers here in California. I, I never, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but I never think about the commission. I think about truly giving someone the feeling that I had and my, my parents have had when they were immigrants, actually uh, fleeing another country to get into America and, and achieving that home. It's important to me to do that to others. What drives you? <clears throat> well, it's, it should be something that's scripted, quite frankly. It's so important. But, but I, I can tell you, it, it starts with the idea that uh, it's security. Uh, and it turns out that it's not just security for your day-to-day life, because it is that. It, it is the ability to feel like this is mine, and this is where, where I can raise my family, and this is where... I can love my family, and this is, is where my heart is. But in addition to that, it's also proven to be year after year after year with all of the doubting Thomases and everybody else who said it wouldn't, it's proven to be the best financial investment you can right. make. Right. Generational wealth so, that you can pass on to your so children. What's happening right now is is absolutely astronomical. I sold my, I, I sold my uh, $5 million plus house. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I've, I've had some big homes, some, some really special places. I had one in La Jolla that uh, is still iconic. I think I sold it for $13 million. So you can take it. What, what, what's so incredible is you can take the investment from the very first house I ever owned or ever sold to anybody or the most expensive, and they're all the same. They, they, they all are proportionate value to my estate. And, and today, the people my age have passed on billions of dollars to their children as a result of home ownership. Right. And, and it's, go, it's going to continue. We, we have a scarcity. And, and it's no different than, than other things in this world that are scarce. The only difference is that instead of being collectible, it's livable. Ooh, I really like that. Right. Instead of being collectible, it's livable. I, I can enjoy it every day. Right. You know, a beautiful watch or, or right. a beautiful you car or whatever. Right. You, you know, those are wonderful things, but they don't have the permanence and they don't have the American dream attached right. to them. And I'm, I'm a fanatic about the American dream. I, I, I was thinking, I got up to give a, give a speech and, 
and I've given lots of speeches, and I'm always always trying to to understand uh, the the value of of my own content. You know, why would somebody come and listen to me? And I I was in in Los Angeles, and I was given a speech not too long. I actually was in in Orange County, maybe Newport Beach, and I was given a speech to 500 people, and they all all work uh, with me. Get that word. See, that's the difference between with, leadership with you. for yeah. me because with for me, me right. is way different than right. with me. Right. And, and true so, leader. Yeah. With me. So so I start to uh, I start things with the Star Spangled Banner still uh, today. So We're the same way. Yep. There, there's no question about it. So right. I'm playing the Star Spangled Banner and uh, six of my people really, really, really made a big deal and took a knee. Right? And, and, and everybody knows that I'm a flag-waving patriot maniac right. and, and they took a knee. Wow. And you can see the fear go through the right. room. I mean, it's like... What's he gonna do? You right. know, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, what I want to hear. You know what happens, and so I finished the Star Spangled Banner and got got up on the stage and I said, uh, "Would the six of you that uh, took a knee, would you please come up on the stage?" Oh no! Oh, you should see the fear in right. the room. It was right. like incredible. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, and and uh, I'm. Did they come they, up? They hesitantly came up, and I said, "Could you, could you please take a knee for me again, here?" And they did. They, 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 they were of good conscience. I mean, they, right. they, they backed uh, it up. They believed what right. they were doing. And I looked at the crowd and I said, uh, "Well, what happens next?" And and the response was, "Oh, you know, you could hear the the, the noise go next. through the the crowd of people who." were with me, and I, I said, uh, I want you to look at the flag. I want you to look at these men that are on their knees, and I want you to understand that my grandfather went to the United States Marine Corps when he was 14. He fought in World War One. He fought in World War Two. He led people through the Korean War he was in the Marine Corps for 46 years, and he was followed by my father, whose first assignment after being a kid who went to Brown Military Academy in Pacific Beach, right, and met my mother at La Jolla High School, got and went the moment that they bombed Pearl Harbor into the United States Navy, and his first command was United States First Infantry Spearhead at Omaha Beach. Wow. Right, you're talking to a family of American heroes, and this is my company. And I want you and everyone in this audience to understand that the reason we defended our country like that was so you could take a knee. A knee. Right. right. I God agree. God bless yeah. you. Wow. God bless you for that. Ooh. I was going to say they. They were, yeah. That's what my conclusion would be. The sacrifice from your family, from your dad, from your grandpa was to give you the freedom to, to oppose that. the government and to show opposition without getting hung, your head chopped off, assassinated behind a building. I mean, you see the same shit going on with Iraq. Look what Saddam did to his guys. That took but when knee. you explain it in that context, it, it kind of 
kind of uh, it forms a different narrative for them that it makes them think to themselves probably that <clears throat> yeah that's yeah be, yeah those guys <laughs> did that two sides yeah maybe maybe I I may not take a knee next time right but at least I know right. the reason yeah, why it, I can do it right I, I don't uh, I I don't want want to talk politics but if I if I had uh, to live the lesson of being my age today and looking back on <clears throat> on everything I've ever done, perhaps I should have looked a little bit more into the other side. Yeah, right. gotcha. I should have I should have been more open to change. I, I should have have believed that well, open to listening, maybe yeah, not to change, yeah. but understanding. But 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 understanding that there's there's difference. There's a difference, and and that there's so many good things that the other guys are doing as well. Yeah. So I'm open to it. I, I I believe you know that that presentation this morning on real estate. You know w- whether we're going to become the next uh, blockbuster, uh, and and is there a future real estate company that's going to eclipse everything that we've ever done? My only conclusion from it is that. And I'm making the change, Frank. To be honest with you, I'm I'm going to step out of of real estate management, and once again become the thing that I am very most fond of in my life. I'm going to become a real estate agent. And, really? And absolutely, absolutely. Oh, uh, can can we uh, can you come with us for listings? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going out yeah, closer. Yeah. I'm got actually the listen. I'm actually going to. A listing presentation after this, the guy's going through a divorce and he's a little distraught and he's telling me my house is not in that good a condition. And I go, well, we'll, we'll go take a peek at it, you know, we'll see yeah. what's happening. So usually when you're going through I'm gonna divorce, bring Steve, your house, isn't it? I'm going to bring Steve <laughs> with me. Get, so, let's go so to let this me, one. Yeah, How would you handle yeah, that? Let me, just make exactly. a, let me just make a comment on that. Uh, I uh, quit uh, selling real estate as an agent or as a broker agent in 1989. And uh, some people in the room weren't born uh, then. Right. But uh, they're the ones that are making the broadcast possible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. They're teaching yeah. us. Shout out to Mark yeah. and Greg back so, there. So, yeah. Thank you, hey, guys. Thanks, guys. So, you guys can't see them, but they're back there. So when I, when, when I look at, at um, the the business and and what's what's happened to it uh my my first commission uh, and i know i wander a little bit but but let's try i'll try to to make it short Uh, i had gone through the class got my license and got to uh show sailors houses so i i farmed the uss kitty hawk nice right and i i could still get on board and and I would talk to them, and I'd do little classes, and I'd get uh, young sailors. And, and at the time, you had to be an E5, or you could not. There's no way you could qualify to buy a house under any conditions. Uh, but uh, I started teaching the youngest guys, the E1s and the E2s, right. how to become an E5, and then right. I could, Smart. could get them. So I sold houses on Dictionary Hill. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, the first house I ever closed was with a sailor. Uh, it was $12,000. The government loaned him $12,900. And my commission, if you would like to calculate that, uh, after my 50-50 split with my broker. Jeez. 
uh, with, with, and I'm glad you say geez because the industry was was much more balanced when when there was a 50-50 split with the broker and I made a fortune uh, right. at the 50 or 60 or 70 uh, and and of course today's real estate agents never heard of those numbers so maybe there were some great things about being a successful real estate agent where the broker you work for was also successful right absolutely right it takes it takes a village it takes a team right and we're we're losing the team situation at this point and I'm uh, but anyway I made a $180 commission I want to proudly say that of that $180 I paid my mother back $100 for my suit right and I paid SDAR $80 in back dues oh wow so you broke even <laughs> yeah you broke <laughs> even on your first deal. Yeah. Do you remember who the president was back there? Uh, you know, uh, you mean the, the, the president of SDAR yeah, or the yeah. president no, the, of no. uh, I, I hope you know the United States president, but the president uh, of SDAR. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I know that, the, that it was important to me uh, because, again, I believe that, that home ownership has been better protected from the local board, from from the state, and and from the national associations, I don't think we'd have a cohesive real estate business if we didn't have all of the volunteers and everyone who has been a part of SDAR, the other boards. But it's such it's such a privilege to know that people are out there working on your behalf. And that so. stands for the San Diego Association of Realtors, for those watching. Greater. Well, now it's greater. G, greater <laughs> yeah, San greater. Diego. I just say San, San Diego SDAR. Association. I don't like the G. Steve, let me ask you a question here. <clears throat> how, how did you go from being a realtor, making $180, breaking even, to being – the mogul. The mogul who sold. Um, and we'll talk about the company you sold, but how did you how did you get that track? Because there's a lot of realtors, yeah. and these realtors want to know. Because yeah. a lot of them yeah. they want to be, the next be Steve Games. They want to be that guy or right. that girl. And they're and they're. I don't know if so. I'm sure there's a few out there. So in answering the question, right. it's several fold, and and uh, I think the first thing to say is I perfected being a real estate agent. So. So as a real estate agent, uh, I even kept working as an agent uh, through when I founded my first brokerage, which was Pickford Realty. And I had a very small group of people who worked for me. Today, they would be called a team. Then, then they were agents in the brokerage. But it was a small group of elite, uh, very successful women. Uh, and, and there's a conversation to be held about why they were women as well. But... Uh, the uh, the last year I actually worked as an agent, my last commission was six hundred and thirty thousand dollars. My last commission one deal. So that's a nice check. So it's a it's a it's a road of experience. And this is in nineteen eighty nine. So it'd be a million dollar. Whoa. Yeah, it'd be a million dollar million two commission. Uh, yeah. I I made close to to $2 million as a real estate agent slash broker uh, with Pickford Realty in my last year as an agent in 1989. What happened to me was I decided that I wanted to be in management and own and be a leader 
and help everybody get to where I had already been, right? And continue to do what I was best at. So when you say, uh, are, are you ready? You didn't ask me, but I'll tell you, am right. I ready to go back on a listing presentation? I've never stopped going on listing presentations. And the difference between me and all of my competitors was that the, the agent in my company, as large as they got, I went sometimes on, on five listing presentations in a day. So I would Jeez. go as the company owner, right? And I, I would go in support of the real estate agent. I actually went to one listing presentation on a $10 million house in La Jolla uh, with four of my agents in the same day. <laughs> the same house. Yeah. You know, the last one, uh, a famous, famous person named Maxine Gellens, yeah. right. uh, was the last person I went into the house with on that particular day. And Maxine got what was happening. And when we sat down with the seller... She said, I know you know Steve. He's been here several times today. today. <laughs> and anything he said he'd do for any of the others, he'll do more for me. That's smart. Now, that was not not what I wanted to hear, nor right. was it the truth. But but Maxine was being funny, and, right. and we got the listing. And and so I, I have been – I was on two listing presentations yesterday uh, on behalf of the people at Cold Banker West. I literally, on, on the holiday – Went on two listing presentations, one at nine and one at one o'clock yesterday. So I could get in a car and go with you on your listing presentation, but I think you can probably pull it I, off. I think, yeah. yeah, I think. So, so when the, we talk about giving, you right. know, what is it that you gave, Steve? If I took, uh, if I picked up Dream Homes Magazine as an example or Premier, seventy uh, percent of the people in that magazine. That, that are the most successful high-end residential real estate agents in San Diego County uh, are all graduates of yeah your of, school of my school, school of, of, of giving and and I think they would say that about me and I'd be very proud when you take a listing in the 10 million dollar range obviously it's different than taking a listing in the million dollar range what what do you give the person as far as like uh, what's your marketing budget like like how how do you how do you plan such a uh, uh, how do you beat out the other people is it better marketing so, you're going to pay for more so, so it I has have, to be something I have two different different philosophies uh, probably probably three or four different techniques and I I think they're important to to say first of all. Uh, no matter what level you're going on a listing presentation, whether it's it's at what's the average sales price in San Diego now? Seven hundred and fifty, eight hundred, eight, 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 mid eight. So, so I consider anybody anybody who can buy an entry level house in San Diego to be rich. Yep. Yeah. That's true. So, so back to the American dream. That's true. Uh, you know, my daughter told me one time, uh, Dad, uh, you're going to help me buy a house. I said yes. She said. She said, uh, why, don't, why don't we buy me a house in Denver? And I said, why? And she said, because I'd be able to buy twice the house in Denver that I could buy in San Diego. Uh, and I said, but then you'd be in Denver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Yeah. You know, Look at the so, house and get these other states. So, I'm like, I don't so want to So anybody, anybody who's entering the real estate market in San Diego County today deserves to be treated or anybody who's selling a house 
needs to be treated as if they're they're wealthy, successful people uh, who who deserve to be uh, the very best that they can have. So when you ask a question of how much do you spend, I'll just give you one example. It depends on whether you're going to get the listing because of your already existing expense, what you've already spent. So you walk into the room, uh, you don't come in naked. You know, if you're if you're going to be a realtor uh, listing five, six, eight million dollar houses, you probably already had to develop a track record. So Got you're it. bringing the material that right. shows what you've already spent. Got it. Right. So so it builds on itself. You have to invest. I I, I have a a great uh, friend in the real estate business who worked for me both at at Prudential and at Sotheby's. Uh, his name's Peter Car- Peter and Judy Corrente. Uh, they've been selling multi-million dollar houses most of their lives. And Peter uh, just says that the reason he's living in a beautiful home today, uh, and I think Peter's well into his 80s, uh, is because he took 20% of all of the money he ever made and got it out of his spending line, put 10% into marketing and 10% into savings. So good Got advice. It. Got it, yeah. With, with that done, I would suspect anybody who wants to ever sell exclusive houses in San Diego County should start taking 10 to 20% of their income and setting it aside for, for marketing of exclusive properties. Got it. Uh, when I founded Pickford Realty, where I made so much money as an individual agent, uh, I put 20% of every dime that I made back into marketing and sometimes as much as 50. Wow. Uh, and, and people just look at me like, come on, yeah. we, we can do it online now. Mm. Online is becoming more expensive all the time, right? So what we used to be able to do online for almost nothing now is... You got to pay. You got to pay. Yeah, you got to pay. And if you make mistakes... It's way worse than having a magazine that yeah that because it stays forever because at least you have something to be yeah <laughs> right so right. so my advice to people is get ready save and make the make the sacrifice to to go up. I started selling twelve thousand dollars houses to sailors. I I made a decision to sacrifice everything to get out of that marketplace and to get into high-end marketplace. I had a very successful agent, one of the most successful in San Diego who worked for me at Prudential. And uh, he called me. He had done 250 transactions that year. Uh, So successful that he he was rivaling Maxine, who who also was in the company. So they were fighting to be number one. And he was clearly doing it in units, and she was doing it in volume. And they just about meet at the same place because if you do 300 transactions here and 80 transactions over here, you're going to have the same, same income. Gotcha. Right? right? It's just what you prefer to do. Right. So he, he called me, and he said, Steve, I want to list a $14 million house in La Jolla. Now, today that would be twenty-five. Gotcha. But, but he wants to list a $14 million house in La Jolla. And I said, well, uh, are you willing to invest? And he said, yeah. And I said, you really should just co-list it with Maxine. You know, it's much smarter for you. You don't have to put the kind of money into it. She has the reputation. He said, but then she'd be number one. So they're competing. (laughs) And I said, okay, well, uh, let's make an investment. 
and I'll go on a listing presentation with you, which, which because he didn't have a track record in the high end was important. The client that was selling happened to, to be working in his business in Las Vegas, so we flew to Las Vegas, and I had my agent put together a two-year, $200,000 marketing campaign, $200,000. What do you mean it put together a two-year? Up front. Oh. A commitment. Yeah, a okay. commitment so for gotcha. two years to be here, 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 here. So it's going to be a two-year listing. And, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to going to do more publication. I'm going to do more every single possible marketing tool that you can use. I'm going to spend more money on this than anyone else alive would ever spend. And uh, I want your listing, and I want it now. I want it for two years, and I want it at 6%. Uh he said, are you crazy? Right. That's what I was going to say. Well, you lost your mind. And I said, you know what? You, you need to take this risk. Profit is directly proportionate to risk. John Maynard Keynes, in his original primer book of American economics, profit is directly proportionate to risk. People don't take the risk. Right. So, so he got the listing. Uh, we brought it. We, we brought our smiles and our happiness back. He was scared, uh, that other word, and he, he, was, yeah. he, he was panicked about it. And, and uh, I said, don't worry, uh, we'll get it done. And I showed it to Peter and Judy Corrente, uh, who sold it the next day. Jeez. <laughs> Just saved 200 uh, Gs. Yeah. For, for <laughs> asking price right. of $14 million. You see... We bought that listing. Right. 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 Uh, we pay the price to get those listings. We pay the price to be ready to get those listings. And and the reason that my company grew more in volume than it did in units in both companies, mm-hmm. in, in uh, Prudential, in, I'm sorry, Pickford and, and uh, with, uh, with Sotheby's, it's because – not because those companies – from a franchise had some big marketing plan. Right. It was it, that was there and it was great, but we built a marketing plan on a local basis and all of a sudden those companies were more visible to the person who, who was selling the expensive home. So when you make that $200,000 commitment like Frank said, there was no money you actually. You didn't spend it. You're, it you was a good it was a smart deal. smart move. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just saved 200. Did you know G's. that you had a possible buyer when you made that $200,000? Well, see, see that Frank, that's the point to to who you know, right? That's right? the team. So, and and, and and it's really important to understand that in the real estate business today, it's not just uh, who's who's the agent in your company; it's who's the agent in the MLS. It's who's the agent that that is is marketing. Who can you get to uh, in a cooperative manner? Uh, uh, I'm the most cooperative real estate broker ever. Uh, I, uh, I I would never, and there's tremendous amount of legal issues about this. There's companies trying to hide their listings all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, we know about that. That's so wrong for the client. Right. It's so long for wrong our industry for us. It it whatever rules we have to come up with to keep that from happening, we should. Well, we can. Yeah. And I'm uh, as far as I, well, we have six months to talk about it. You know, <laughs> so there's going to be a president. lot of realtors. 
right. not just in San Diego, nationwide, that are going to watch this podcast. And there's going to be a handful that are the ones that are on the Kitty Hawk selling to the sailors. And they're going to say, That's how do I crack into this? Like, how do I become Steve Games or Maxine Gillen or Greg Noonan or any one of the, the ones that are in there? Can they crack in? Or, or Patty McKelvey? Or, yeah, right. You know, there's oh, several she, really she good agents yeah. out there. Look at her. I mean, yeah, she's just one a day. Yeah. 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 So, How does she do that? I, I mean, that's, she does it. She, she does it herself. She's yeah. like a fascinating no, person. Yeah, she's... Okay, okay, good question. Right. But I also want to get back to... So we don't lose this thought. Okay. Yeah. He had a team of only females. He's going to say, let me tell you a story why the only females. Yes. So I want to go back and say, because it sounds like an important story. It's like, you know, female power. You know, Correct. Realtors, maybe give a shout out for diversity and all that. Well, and I, uh, I've got to, you know, you know how cautious I have to be with this. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. Be, because there, everything is at risk today. But, yeah. uh, but uh, everything uh, you say is going to be. Uh, I, I believe that that my biggest contribution to the real estate business was being an element of change. And, and because, because I had, had struggled so much when I was young, it was, it was always interesting to me to, to see that who else had handicaps. Right. You know, who, who else was handicapped? I was handicapped because right. the system didn't understand me. Correct. Right. right? Low, low grades. And, all right. and so I don't, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, of having been selected through my own racism, by the way. Uh, uh, I, I grew up in a racist society. And, and by the time I was ready to get out of the military, I think that I would still be considered to be a white racist, right? And and uh, <laughs> I met uh, I met a person who who challenged that for me. And when people challenge me, when when the other side is being listened to, you you can't believe the racist things that you might have grown up with that are so ridiculous. They, they, there's 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 no legitimacy to them. And so I became what was called a crisis intervention specialist. Uh, and I spent my last year and a half in the Navy stopping race riots was, was my job. And, and, uh, wow. Uh, on the ship? Uh, everywhere. On the ship, off the ship, uh, at the base, wherever there was a race riot going on. And at that time, it was primarily a black and white issue. Mm -hmm. And my partner uh, was a a powerful, powerful uh, uh, black sailor, and I was the white guy, and we risked our lives and and did all kinds of extraordinary things wow. to try to 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 change the way that the world viewed uh, equality. Seems like that ship would be a good macroclimate of people for the first time, racist blacks being on one ship, one town yeah. where they couldn't go anywhere. What's going to happen? Oh, was, right. See, so the military was. Yeah. Military was having more trouble with racism than they were with fighting with the war. Fighting the war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I, the reason I brought that up was because all of a sudden I was in a real estate environment, and the real estate environment had something really unique about it. We had these superstar women mm -hmm. that that were tremendously successful, and I think even then, even in in the mid seventies, 
the the number of successful women uh, uh, in the real estate business was was more significant than the number of men, and and they had excelled. Well, it was the first place where they were given equal opportunity, and right. so the real estate business was a place place for those kinds of prejudices to be dissolved. Right, but it was not dissolved in real estate management. And so when I started to build a company, uh, first the team, because I surrounded myself with the most successful women in my marketplace, and and we were equals, and, and we were able to do incredible things. But my partner, uh, who was a successful woman and a, a prodigy graduate from Stanford, uh, I brought into the founding of Pickford Realty. And what we did from then on was we took advantage of the fact that every major real estate company in San Diego, maybe in California and in the country, had had isolated women from management. Okay. So so real estate management in the 70s was all men. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I decided was, one uh, – there was a bigger pool of possibility with if women. I started to grow the company with, with women. W- right. women in management, selfish, right, but very successful. Right. And and the most famous names in real estate management uh, all worked for NIDA and myself in, at Prudential. So there's still s- several of them, and I, I don't because we're all competitive. I don't want to bring their names up right. because they don't work for me anymore, but right. they're, they're the most successful women in real estate in management. And, and we built the whole company. So to put that in perspective, I ended up with 110 real estate offices, right? I ended up with 6,000 real estate agents and the majority of the management was done by women. 6,000. Six thousand. Who's a broker of record and something like that? Like, how uh, do you, it, 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 you know, I, I mean, how that's do, also a shame, by the way. So, so I do want to, I do want to, to reflect on some pain. Uh, I stopped being the broker of record because I, I got uh, busted, uh, and I was a target. Right. Yeah. And, and of course, and I was so, a target when you're at right, the top. Once, I, to the once I became target. the target. Uh, I, I got busted as the leader of 6,000 people doing 30 billion in business, <laughs> right? I got busted for, uh, improper disposal of paint. <laughs> they got you for something. Yeah. Come we on. Got them. Come on. We got, we got lead-based paint. Did, yeah. We found yeah. it. Yeah. That's a funny story. Yeah, that is funny. That's, it, you know, that, that's so standard. They just... Yeah. They keep looking. Yeah. So, he left a paint canister. And, and Nida had told me, Nida <laughs> was my business partner and associate, uh, still is, but she uh, she told me years before I needed to stop being a broker. But I, I was being the broker out of pride. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that pride has been taken away in today's today's situation. You, you, you really have to have someone who does absolutely nothing else, who's as competent uh, as they can be and... And uh, it does not get involved in the day-to-day operation of the company. Right. So, so would you consider yourself to still like when you look at real estate now? And of course, a realtor, I believe, is always going to be part of a transaction. Yeah. But obviously, if you're as successful as you are, you had to plan. 
a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I would, I would imagine, where are we going to take this company? So what's your plan in today's market with, with AI, with uh, things changing, the, the, uh, the commissions uh, not being paid by the, the buyer brokers? Where do you see you in three to five years? Like, what, where, How do you picture the real estate market, uh, business? So I, I, first of all... Any change, some I, change? I first of all want to, to comment on the plan, and then, then we'll come to the change. My, my first comment, and, and everything has to have some humor in it, right. but I decided because I had been in the Navy that the best people that I could hire to come in a real estate business with me uh, would be retiring Navy chiefs, right? Uh, they run the Navy, and, and I, uh, I had great respect for them, and, and so I ended up uh, in my beginning brokerage, hiring Navy chiefs to run to manage the operations, to, to, no, or to, to sell, to sell. Okay, uh, but that's a good question because they couldn't do either. Oh, mm. right. When they were too disciplined, they, they were too disciplined. And the analysis yeah. paralysis. Yeah, too. and they could sharpen pencils like right. nobody you'd ever right. seen in your life. Right. And and I love them, and I have more respect for people who are Navy chiefs than anything else. But when they get out, they have to break away, and not believe that they're running the show. Ship, right. So so what what I found in in all of this stuff was that that you you can overplan. Right. Right. You can never overwork. And so I launched a career of massive effort that'd be the number one statement from yeah. today's interview right, i yeah. love right yeah. there you can I, over plan but you can't overwork i worked uh i i ended up uh when 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 i was trying to get and, and i i was trying to get big at by this time and i ended up with with uh, a full-time driver uh two pilots uh, five assistants, uh, everything that you could possibly imagine, and they they had this to say about me. A telephone call comes in, and somebody says, they, we've got to talk to Steve. How important is your call with Mr. Gaines? We've got to talk to Steve right now. I've got to talk to him. Uh, well, he has, he has an opening at 5 o'clock, and they'd say, well, you know, I've got to get my kids from school and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And my assistant, William, would say, no, that's before breakfast. <laughs> 5 a.m. Yeah. So so I was taking meetings for people who were in my company who needed my help as early as 5 o'clock in the morning and right. as late as 11 o'clock at night for six years. Right, straight. Every day. Every day. Weekends were were no, no different than any other day. Uh, I I was constantly accused of uh, being a workaholic. Right. What I was 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 destined to be a success. Right. And and my plans changed so often that the people around me had to adjust because a five year plan to me would have been disastrous. Right. And a five day plan was all I could handle. <laughs> And, 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 and I, I understand that we had goals, right. but, but it was the now that right. mattered. It's how hard are you willing to work today because in this business, 
it's only whether you get the next listing or not. Right. You're right. only as good yeah. as your last yeah. sale. It's, right. And it yeah. doesn't matter how big you are. Yeah. You're only as good as the next listing you get and the next sale that you make. Right. So, so what's so. the best way to get into the, the only way, I mean, the fast way to increase your revenue is to increase the market points in your house. How do you break from that being comfortable with like Claremont houses, a million dollars, 800 to a million to say, I, I want to go into another neighborhood. How, how do you how do you accomplish that? Get on your team, or could you do it individually? From going to one million dollar listings to a five million dollar listings, there's almost no way to get in that five million dollar listings because you already know. Okay, my my opinion, and it's a dying breed, uh, or maybe it's not. You know, we always talk about. You know, somebody would say that. You know, this is a hard world to raise children in. It's it's not like it used to be. Yeah, I always and, say that. You, you know, generation. it's the best yeah. it's ever been. Yes, yeah, it's so incredible that I get up every day and say, "Oh my God, another day of of brand new." Right. And and so I I think it's important to remember that that you have to feel that way, and and then how do you make a change? Well, you make a change in who you're around. Right. That's the important thing. Right. That's so, really important. So, yeah. so I have a I have a uh, a friend who's extremely successful in the uh, title business. Uh, uh, his name is Mark, and and uh, I was at the Fairbanks Country Club. Uh, I was a part of putting the Fairbanks Country Club together, and I was was at a table, and the kid who who bust the table was named Mark, and he was so exceptional that I made him leave his his business as a busboy and become a I first thought real estate agent for me, but he but he 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 had a commitment to his family that that was too high a risk at that time for him, <clears throat> so I put him in my title company. And uh, and he he rose. He's one of the best title uh, title reps in all of San Diego County. So it's who you're around. Right. It's it's impressing people that that you might not ever meet. So how do you do that? Start wherever you have to. Ask ask one of the successful high end residential real estate agents in your company to let you go to their open houses. Uh, become what. What you, my father used to say, you are what you are now becoming, and so exposure is everything. Uh, spend a little extra money, set some money aside to to go and be a part of a high end charity, volunteer, do things that you're surrounded with people with wealth, mm -hmm. and and find that route. Uh, it's it's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard to break in. Uh, Remember, but not impossible. No, no, no. It's ab absolutely right. no less possible today than it was. Right. Same. Same it's rules. It's always the same. And and you know, somebody will point to somebody and say, "Well, they had family, or they had this, or they had that." I had, uh, I, I had nothing. And and I can I can walk into to any list. In fact, I did it. Uh, we're gonna list a, a a very expensive house with one of our Coldwell Banker West agents. Uh, next week, and I got asked uh, to go on a presentation and and uh, uh, just surround yourself 
with people that know what they're doing. Remember that 50% of a listing that is $5 million is a $2.5 million listing. Yeah! Yeah. Right? That's good. So, so give 50% of it right. away to get the experience. Right. You know, it, give, give more of it away if you have to. But, right. But take whatever. And remember that, that your sphere of influence is probably much bigger than you think. You have, uh, you've gone to school with people whose parents are extremely successful. So right. start looking at the avenues of success to be a part of, of a higher-end world. And then don't ever forget, don't ever forget that that you come from humble beginnings and do not ever become so cocky that that the person who's the lowest denominator in the marketplace is not the person you want to help the most. by the American dream. Right. That's hey, a great philosophy. Steve, what's it like or you can you explain when you have this really successful company, which is going to say it was prudential, correct? Yes, you added a it was one of them. Hundred and yeah. let's let's talk about this Prudential, and then somebody says, "I want to buy to, it." I want to buy it. Like, how do you separate from your child that you? Yeah, your baby. Your baby. You brought it up from nothing, right? And then, so so tell us what was that process like, and who Re- you sold it to? Respect for the child is the only way to do it, mm. and and when we lose that. We, we lose the direction that we should have been going and doing it for in the first place. So when I, when I sold Prudential, I sold it out of necessity. Uh, and and we'll, we'll have to come back to, to where the real estate market is today right. and how that affects. Because I don't, I don't believe in the, in the way that I did it that anyone can ever do it again. Right. Right? So, so change is occurring. And, and so what I did was, was I built a company from, from blood, sweat and tears and heart. Uh, I, I made a decision that for me, there was a glass ceiling because I didn't ever graduate or have any degrees or anything. And with banks, uh, you can't make it, uh, without, without a master's degree from, from Harvard. So, so, I, I would like to say that I've had that opportunity to talk to the the master's degree Harvard Business School uh, you alumni. Speaker? So oh, that's yeah, funny. so so everything comes around. Right. But the reason I was able to do it was I associated myself with my partner Nida, who who was a Stanford graduate, and as far as I'm concerned, she had the ticket. Right. I got right. to get in the so, door. So so I had the the brain to to think these things and and have no limitations and NIDA had no limitations with the banks and the people that we needed in order to be able to do it. So so we amassed lots of debt and profit is directly proportionate to risk. And so we amassed a lot of debt. At one time, uh, you know, uh, I remember owing thirty million, right, right, personally. To who? Uh, to the bank. Okay. Right. 30, right. 30 million. And I was signed on a personally. Oh gosh. 
That's right? not fun. And I think that's a low estimate, by the way. It's a, and, it's a hard signature to put on a document. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you really have to you really have to say how bad yeah. do I want this right. and do I believe I can do it. Now, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't believe I could do it and I didn't believe that things were, were lined up. But sometimes it's the darkest day that makes it possible, mm. right? And so, so overcoming objections and dealing with the problems when it's the very darkest. So one day, uh, my lenders flew into town, and uh, they were on a, uh, I think it was a Gulfstream 4 then, which was probably the most, and, and they wouldn't come in into Jim's air, right? right. And so I, uh, Nida and I go out to show them the plan. We, we owe them $30 million, and, and uh, we don't think they're there to congratulate Yeah, no, that, when right. they fly in, that's right. uh, and, and not good. And we're losing uh, somewhere in the, in the range of $200,000 a week. From, from what? From Interest. real estate. Yeah. Okay. Right. The company is losing $200,000 a week. It's There's leading. A, it's, a tr- it's a tragic market. Mm-hmm. It's the worst it's ever been. What year was this? It, uh, I, you, you Doesn't know what? matter. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Right. Uh, it wasn't not, it wasn't the worst though. Okay, it, it gets there. there we other. all know that there was a year that was worse than any other. But correct. But this was just one of those cycles, mm-hmm. and so that I'm sitting on an airplane with these guys, and and my brilliant partner is explaining to them what we're going to do, and they say, "Look, we've got another idea. We're we're going to let you just go ahead and close the company, because they were the Prudential Bank, right?" Mm. And, and you can close the company, and we're not going to hold you responsible for that debt. We're going to let you walk away from $30 million. Hmm, what's that motivation? And, and Nida looked at me and, and said, I need to tell you something. And, and I, I said, was, she whispered to me, and then we'll owe the IRS $15 million Right. For debt forgiveness. Right? Right. And I said, hmm. Thank God for her. Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't do that. So... It got worse and it got worse and they're about to take off and they're telling me they're going to close the company. And I said, look, guys, you close the company. I'm not going to close the company. I'm going to I'm going to go do something else, you know. But if you want me to close the company, then you've got to give me one more chance. But if you're going to close it, here's the keys. And I I knew what I was up to and I gave him the keys to 100 100 real estate offices. I set them on the table (laughs) and I said, you go close them. I said, and if you think thirty million is a lot of loss, you're going to lose three, four, five hundred million when I, as the number one prudential broker in America, step out, right? Open up another place. Well, has failed. Just, 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 just just the 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 cataclysmic event that's going to happen when everybody who believes I'm the I'm the toughest that's ever been, right? uh, And I failed. They're they're going to drop like flies. And, and he said to me, what would you do? And I said, I'd fly back to Newark, New Jersey and get me another $5 million and I'd get it by next Monday because we can't keep the doors open unless you do. And they invested another $5 million. Brilliant move. And, and we ended up uh, making all of that money back and making them a, a whole bunch of equity participation and huge amounts of money when we sold to Berkshire Hathaway. Which was only five years later. <clears throat> so you, you got to get through the darkest day. What happens when you sell? That must have been just a 
crappy meeting to sit there and oh, have to listen oh to that God. stuff. You're oh, just how'd like, you pull that? Did you did you make that up oh, while yeah. you were sitting there? Oh yeah, I'm making it up while I'm talking to you. You know, you've got to you've got to. So you got to be quick. So so there was a guy named uh, and ballsy. There was a guy that did the OJ trials. His name is Spence something or other. He's an attorney who critiqued the OJ trials, and he's very successful. He's written a number of books, and in his book he talks about the fact that he's going to his first capital trial, and and so he's defending a human being for their life, mm-hmm. right? And he believes he's innocent, and he's going to make his summation. He's worked hour after hour after hour after hour to create the summation, and he's in front of the judge and the jury, and he's got his notebook, and he's got it on a podium, and uh, he makes a mistake that he knocks it off the podium, and the, and the papers all end up, his all his notes are on the floor, and he's oh, trying to God. put it back together, and this guy's sitting over here watching him whose life is right. what they're working on, right? right? And he, he, literally, he literally tries to get his, pa- get his papers back together, and so he, he stands up, he goes back to the podium, he leaves his papers on the floor, and he gives the greatest summation that anybody ever gave to defend somebody's life in history. And the guy gets acquitted. Well, how did he do that? Right. Well, he did it because he prepared the papers right. Right. so many times that he knew every word of them. So when I go on a, uh, on a situation like that, I You're literally really have, have spent years and years and years preparing right. this summation. Right, you know, I, I, and wisdom. I, yeah, and 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 when I go on a listing presentation tomorrow, I will work harder than the guy that's going for the first time. Right. I just won't do it in front of the client. That's all. I, I'll it. prepare every single thing. I walk in. I used to say I used to have to kick the door because I brought so much shit with me. Right. Right. And I do. I still do today. I I, I come in with reams of stuff that the people might never look at. Why do I bring it? Well, one, if it's left on the table when they meet the next realtor, right. it's intimidating, right? And number number two, it's it's because I'll never get a chance to tell them everything I can do for them. They can right. look at it later, right? But but it gives me confidence, yeah. and I walk in, into the presentation with massive confidence. How do you get those listings? You know, <laughs> I mean, there must be a machine. You, you, it can't be just your sphere of influence. It has to be like, hey, there's somebody who wants to sell their house. They called. It's it's reputation, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I go on a on a high end uh, listing presentation for uh, for Coldwell Banker West, it it typically is someone in the company who has knowledge and a reputation. Uh, for me, it, it's going to be right back, and, and I'm going back to to being a a team uh, with my with my wife and myself, uh, we're going to be a high-end residential real estate team. And she has a tremendous successful career in the high-end business. Wow. And, and we're going to go back. And I'm going back purely because of the economics. Uh, I can make, make more money as a high-end residential real estate broker uh, working for Coldwell Banker West than I can being a owner-manager of Coldwell Banker West. Right. Right? And And... Uh, that's what they were talking about this but, morning. But right. I also think – I've met you before and I mentioned that earlier. But I also think you like it. Like you just – Well, of course. No, I mean not li- like it. I mean I think you like to help people. 
Like, I just get that about you. You, you just you know, like to help people. Yeah, the giving, you know, giving it's not part. like it. It's, it. It isn't liking it. It's loving no, it. Right. That's right. <laughs> it's believing in it. Right. It's, it's believing in. that that the best thing that somebody can do is give you a listing for more commission and more time than they would give anybody else. Mm. See, I not only I not only just just get listings. I get listings at 6%. Mm-hmm. Right? I get listings way higher than the discounter that I'm up against all the time because because I'm willing to to pay the price mm-hmm. to to give them what the other person's not willing to give. You know, nothing frustrates me more than when I go on a listing presentation with any of the companies I've been with and the agent has already written in 5%. Are you kidding me? Mm. What, what, what would I ever do that? Got it. You know, if I was a blank. If, uh, uh, well, and if I'm not going to ask for 6%, right, remember, th- this is not dictated by any. It can't be. I can go in and ask for 6% and I can ask for 6 And people say, well, you'll never get that on a $10 million listing. That's not true. You'll never get it if you don't ask for it. Right. That's like somebody. I, I remember I used to follow some agents, uh, some other companies around, and and I was big on things like the Wall Street Journal, and and I'd say, you know what, I'm going to put your property in the Wall Street. I'm still big on the Wall Street Journal. I said I'm going to put your property in the Wall Street Journal, and they'd say, well, the other broker said uh, that that things don't sell from the Wall Street Journal. And my answer was simple. Nothing sells from the Wall Street Journal that isn't in it. Right. right? right. It's, it, it's that simple. So, so if you can get 6%, right, your entire marketing plan can be, carry, can be carried by, the, by the, the 1% that the other broker gave away. Right. Right. right? It's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's like math. You know, it's simple math. And if, if you end up with 5% or you end up with 4.5%, Right. Even if you take it at that, at least you already gave so that when it gets to the point where the transactions being negotiated, you've already said Uh, when we get to the point where the transactions being negotiated based on the fact you've already negotiated with me, I can't give up anymore. So everything you do on a listing presentation is about how your life is going to end. Right. It's about the end of the story for that listing. And if you blew it when you were getting the listing, you'll never enjoy the story. It just it just can't happen. And and so the, the truth is, though, and I, and I want to make this clear, I'm going back in the residential real estate business as a as an agent, agent. team because the pendulum swung. Mm. The agent team can make so much more money than the broker can. Right. That that unless you already have an existing organization like like Peter has, mm-hmm. right? And and it works great. Uh, but but to, to start up the whole way that we're that we're looking at real estate is changing mm-hmm. dramatically. Look it's, at look at the success of EXP. Right. I don't I, I don't want to be at EXP, right. right? But but their their success is is absolutely astronomical. Mm-hmm. So, so what about Compass? What about all the all the new ways that people are are doing it? Well, from my perspective, it's public money now. See, and if you if you can't do it with public money, I did it with with private borrowed money, 
that that's never I really believe it won't ever happen again. Right. Right. No. Right? That ship has sailed. Yeah. And 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 I I then look at where is the big money? And it's the same place that that the superstars in the business are now looking at it. It's working for a brokerage that does all of your support, takes all of your risk, right? It's working for them and making 90% of the commission as opposed to 10. So I have to go back. So you will Otherwise you be go- I'm wasting my will time. you be right. going on listings in La Jolla, University City uh, or you, just you in know the what? south? You know that are you trying to trick me? No. <laughs> All right, because I'm, I'm, I want to tell you because you can sell houses anywhere. That, that the answer to that is really significant. Because uh, I'm sure some of the agents are going to go. Uh-oh. Damn. I, I'm going to go competition. They better. Yeah. They better yeah. or, like, oh, or, man. Like, why is he coming here? Yeah. Oh, I should God. stay in La Jolla. They better or I should go take a nap. Right. Right. So, okay. But but there's always been agents who, who feared me, right? Most right. of them didn't know me. And, and, and what's, what's interesting is when I come to a presentation like this or, or I go out in the world and I have dinner with somebody who's only heard it, yeah. about me, I'm much more of an ass than I really am. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in their minds, I'm, this, uh, I'm the devil in, in <laughs> some way or another. And I'm really, really a nice person. I've never heard someone call you the devil, by the way. No. Because I, I asked about you yeah. years ago. And just to let you know. Uh, your reputation is impeccable well, from the it, people I spoke to. It, it is, but, but – But you're hardcore. Yeah. 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 I mean you look – even though you're in the Navy, you look like a Marine. Yeah, it, well and, – and You know what I mean? Does he look like, like his a dad. soldier? I have, right? He looks like I his dad. To keep his dad was a Marine. I have to tell you, I went yeah. to my grandfather. Don't and, piss him off. Yeah, I went to my grandfather and I said, uh, should I go in a Marine Corps? And it was, it was 1968. Oh. 67. Actually, that would have been a. He said, "Should I go into Marine Corps?" And so. he said, "No." And he walked away from me. And I loved him. I learned to sing the Marine Corps hymn sitting on his lap before uh, I learned any other song in history. I can do. I, I can quote you word for word the Marine Corps hymn, and and I love it. And I want to be a Marine, right? So, I I go the second time. I say, "Grandfather, should I be a Marine?" And he said, "No." And so the third time, I walked up to him and I say, "Grandfather, I'm." Uh, I'm offended. Why don't you want me to be a Marine? And he looked at me. He said, uh, Steve, because you're a candy ass. Oh. Who? <laughs> Kitchen the balls. Right. And, and, Not tough enough. And in truth, what he was saying was, please, please don't get killed. Right. right? Exactly. He said that the, the Marine Corps has got a higher possibility. He said he literally told me later if I'd said I want to go in the army, he would have told me the same thing. Right. He wanted me to go in the navy because I was smart enough, and he thought that I would not risk my life. And of course, I did anyway. Right. Yeah. But, but, but for all intents and purposes, you, 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 he didn't want the pain. Right. Yes. Uh, he don't want the pain. And, and so, when we respect Marines, I, I have more respect for Marines than Marines have. Yeah, right. I love Marines. And, and and I have more respect for for the the special services and and the Navy SEALs and all of those things. I, I mean, it, it's inconceivable what they do. Right. And and you know, our job should be in every way, shape, or form is to support our military. Right. And uh, that's something I'm looking forward to doing personally as as I get back in the real estate business. Good. Right. Because we have more veterans. 
successful veterans running help. successful businesses and new veterans in San Diego County than any other place in America. Mm-hmm. So the VA has has changed some stripes, for lack of a better term. They've gotten much better rather than much worse. Right. And I don't think the average veteran, and particularly the older ones that are from my generation of Vietnam and et cetera, realize what an asset they have. You know, we closed a $4 million, 100% VA loan. How, how much? $4 million. $4 million. $4 million, 100% loan. Uh, listen to that, military. Yeah, that's they, they, that's they, good to you know. know I, I, that is a big I'd change. I'd love to tell you again, I'm, I'm going to do a seminar yeah. for military veterans, yeah. uh, right, and active military, and I want to teach them from that same kid that I sold the $12,000 house to right. to the guy who's buying a $12 million house. There's still some some gratitude that can be taken advantage of in your in your life that right. that you get for having served. So, so basically, when you first started this, you said you're in the Navy, but you didn't say that it was during the Vietnam War. It and was. So, welcome home. Well, thank yeah. you. I really appreciate that. And it doesn't matter if you're in a foxhole or if you're on that ship. You guys kicked ass. I don't think the politicians did, but I think the soldiers won the war. The politicians lost the war. And I respect anyone who was in that war. And see, I Frank, just want to say. See, I, I am, am a person who gets up every morning and justifies all of our lives. And so I don't believe we lost the war. I don't either. No. So, so let, let me tell you, uh, history uh, may say that we lost the war. History may say that we all got treated poorly when we got back. Uh, my experience was that it was 10 to 1. For, for everybody who hated me, there were nine people who supported me in every way possible. Got it. So history always speaks about the worst thing that okay. happened. And, and I don't want mean to minimize it because right. for some people it was a horror that they couldn't overcome. Right. And nobody should have been treated that way. But from my perspective, there was more good and more Americans who supported us in their homes and in their businesses and helping us grow than there were those who were on the intolerance side because they knew that we were there doing what we needed to do Correct. and that it was the government who was determining whether it was right or wrong. We right. didn't know. Exactly. So 17, 18 average yeah, age. Yeah. So so let me let me espouse the only thing that I I believe would be debated about the Vietnam War. I'm gonna try to tell you that that it was one of the most important things that ever happened because we slowed the unimpeded growth of communism uh, so much for so long that it allowed for what eventually was the Berlin Wall coming down and the fact that technology had caught up to tell the world by the time that that we were jumping over that wall, quite frankly. And I believe that that stopping communism in its tracks, even though we didn't stop it altogether, right. we impeded it to the point where the world is a different place. Yeah, that, and that every every single person who died in the Vietnam War can can and their families can hold respect for them because what they did was in fact in the in the big picture valuable. So Steve you ask a, me a question, I, do you want me to answer I, it? Yes. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Well, it's a good one. But this is another question. I'm re- sorry for remind your... us remind us to come back to what happens when you sell. 
That was a question. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to me. Yes. So what? So really, what does hap- What happens? Not only from a financial standpoint, but what happens to you personally when let it go? You let it go, and you're like, because this was like you're saying. Huge. I'm working. 10, 12, 15 hours a day, and now there's this void. Two, two How do you things, deal with that? Two things. First of all, let's deal with with the sale. Here, here you are. You're, you've created something that, that you're proud of, that you believe in, and you created it with your, with, with your personality, your heart, your individuality, all of that sort of stuff. So... So I won't name names, but when I sold to Berkshire Hathaway, uh, uh, my partner and I sold to Berkshire Hathaway because uh, of that love. So, so what happened if I sold to Warren, Warren Buffett's company mm-hmm. was that they were going to require me to be the CEO for the next five years. So, so although I took less money to sell to Warren Buffett, I protected the organization oh, you. So you for stayed. much, much longer. Oh, okay. So even though even though you sold, you were still in charge. That's right. I, I ran the ran the company with my partner Nida. Uh, we ran the company for five more years, right? So I bought five years, right? Mm-hmm. Right, where I was doing what I loved the very most, and I sold to somebody who I believe paid me fifty million dollars less for the company than it was worth. But I made it all back during that five years that I worked for for probably the the most famous person or company in the world to sell to that respects the people who sold and built the company. Right. So so that's his formula, and and that's why him. Right. right. So he and kept you on. He did. Well, he's smart. He I did. mean, you you get the package. Who built it? Yeah. He did. I, I would make it mandatory that he stayed there. And as yeah, part of the did. deal. And, right. and, and when I was done, when I got four and a half years or so, uh, uh, Nida, my, my partner, Nida, uh, decided to stay and was the CEO longer oh, gotcha. than that. So, so the company was our company up until Nida left mm-hmm. or I left. And then it philosophy changed, it became corporate, it made all of those things. For better or for worse, they have an, a higher uh, percentage of profit than we had because it's more corporate, right. but, but they make less money than we did because it's, it's less corporate. entrepreneurial. <laughs> right. I so got you. so th- th- there's two schools of thought. If, if I hadn't sold, the company would have collapsed. Because I sold after 9-11, and I sold as soon after 9-11 as I could because I had a fear that didn't, that didn't happen, by the way. But 9-11 was the most devastating single event in the history yeah. of my life, right? And maybe everybody Everyone else. Was, mm-hmm. right. And certainly my business life. And so what I was afraid was if there was a bombing – by that time, I was in Los Angeles, Santa Barbara uh, – uh, Orange County, San Diego, Cabo San Lucas, Puerto Vallarta. I had offices in two different countries, and and I was massive. And my my fear was that Los Angeles was the next target, mm-hmm. right? And if they took out Los Angeles with with an overhead of what I believe was right around ten million dollars a month, 
right? And nobody showed up to buy real estate for a year or six months or, yeah, or yeah. a year and six months. My inability as a private individual to carry that would have, have destroyed all of the dreams that we built. So I took the path of least resistance that was the best for everybody in the company. Got it. So what happens to you personally until I, I basically retired after, uh, uh, after my, my four and a half year tenure with, with Berkshire Hathaway, uh, after I, I left there, I wondered, uh, uh, I spent a lot of money. Uh, I did a lot of crazy things. I, I retired, uh, I had wealth, I, I had prestige, I had everything. Uh, I tried other ventures, but what I found was that retirement is a, is a death Destance. wish. God, and so true. For someone it, like you and me and Mark. Uh, but so we, many people keep looking towards retirement. I can't uh, wait till I retire. So, I can't wait till so I retire. So I went back. And I, I, I lived next to uh, the person who became my partner, Brian Arrington. Mm -hmm. uh, I had that beautiful home, uh, the, Pe the old Peckham mansion I had rebuilt. Uh, right in Point Loma there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the it's water. perhaps yeah. the most beautiful. Yeah. Right. For me, it's one of the most beautiful nice. houses in San Diego. Brian's house was nice, too. Yeah, his house right was Right there on the water. Yeah, right. Well, they're right next to each right. other. And I met Brian and suggested that, that uh, I could help him uh, with his real estate uh, business. Right. Uh, and the rest is history. We, right. we built uh, Sotheby's into the number one real estate company again in San Diego County. So uh, <clears throat> to me, retirement's not in the, in the picture. No. Retirement is not an option. Yeah. Because what are you going to do when you retire? I mean, how, really, what do you do? Sit well, around a, how, how long can some you people like to fish, and I'd encourage anybody. Well, you can still fish and work, right? Oh, but I fish. Yeah, I love yeah exactly. I'm, I'm a great fisherman. I love fishing and, too. And and you always find time, right? But how much time do you need to fish? Right, right? exactly. You know, how many fish are you gonna kill? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and now I'd rather be on a gaff or or, yeah, well, exactly. or coaching the guy that's right, right, right. that's Hook. catching anyway. Exactly. And you know, it's tag and release, and yeah. it should be, and and those are. You know, out in front of my, I, I have a, a small resort that I built uh, in Mexico, and I, uh, I built it as my home when I retired. So Which is, yeah. I, I went berserk. Uh, uh, <laughs> Where I, in Mexico? Uh, it's Scorpion uh, Bay? It's, it, no, it's outside of La Paz. Okay. Uh, it's 34 miles south uh, east of La Paz on the Sea of Cortez. I bought... Uh, 4,700 acres. I bought seven miles of oceanfront. Um, seven miles. It's Do you still own it? We're going to Mexico. Do you still it's own it? It's exactly, it's exactly the same size as the city of La Jolla. How do you how do you do a deal with Mexico like that? Oh, it's without being worried. Yeah, that, Frank, that's a whole nother, another story. That's that, another a whole nother class because that's what I, we all have to of learn. the myths about Mexico <clears throat> are wrong. Uh, uh, when I had trouble with title in in my life, it's been here, not there, right? Gotcha. So, so the whole idea you can't own property in Mexico right. is 100% wrong, and and we got to have a whole class on it. Right. It's kind of like value range is stupid. Well, we need to have a class uh, you, on that. You remember that? Yeah, value range is stupid. Value range is stupid. Let me tell you how many properties my people have sold and have sold in San Diego and gotten the, the seller more money uh, with, with that value stupid range. value range. Right. 
right? So I, you know, I was the person who created you that. Did? Oh, you did. Yeah. We used that all the time. Well, explain that. Oh, yeah. to, to explain what value range is because some people don't know because other people well, are listening. I mean, you have a home. The person says, how much do you think we can get? And you give them like you can get between this and this. And so you put this and this on the market and you go somewhere in between there. And hopefully you get a little bidding war and it drives it up. Correct. So thousands Is that right? And thousands Explanation? And, yeah, thousands. Pretty good. Okay, uh, not perfect, but. Thousands and thousands of listings have been lost because of what, what the agent should understand they're in, which is the price argument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So the first thing that value range does is it, it compromises the price argument because everybody wants to get a higher price for their property. And oftentimes what happens is the agent out of fear lists it at a higher price than it should be listed at. It wanes on the market or the seller turns down the very first offer, right? right? Because it's not close enough to their asking price and then regrets later that they didn't take it. Correct. Because their asking price was not, was not right. So value range is was designed by uh, a, a sort of an idea of it was used in Australia, which is where where we got it from, and then I brought it and institutionalized it uh, in the U.S. Uh, th- through great uh, personal harm. <laughs> you know, I had to go go to convince to, everyone. Uh, well, most of all, I I had to had to go to the the board of realtors numbers of times. And then I ended up with who, who are the people in charge of real estate in California? Um, the CAR? No. Um, uh, Department of real estate. Department of real estate. Right, right. I ended up in front of them uh, having to justify and to explain value range marketing. So I, you brought that in. Oh yeah. I had absolutely. no idea. Yeah. I always thought that was a good idea. No, that's a great idea. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. It, it, I, I used I didn't, it yesterday. I've never heard it till right now. It takes out the pricing argument. It does. It just and because yeah. that's always what it is. Yeah. Hey, my friend says I can get this, and you're saying I can get this, and this person. And you lose the listing because lose the of listing. the pricing argument. Right. So one, it gets you the listing. Right. Two, it gets it sold. Right. And and just as an example, uh, I list a house at at twenty million dollars. Okay. You'd value range a house like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's where it's best. Okay. So I list a house at $20 million. So we listed from 18 to 22. Right? Right. That's so much smarter than listing it at 22 to start with. Right? Right. Right. And, and in a $20 million house, what is valuable is much more discretionary. So, so beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. So if you don't get the beholder, you're, not, right, you're out. You, you don't right. get to show the beauty. Right. So so I would love, by the way, to do a value range marketing class uh, here. I'll set it up. Again. It's not that, a problem. That, that would, I would like you to do two. If you could do the Mexico thing, because what you just yeah. told me, I believed. Yeah. You can't love buy property it. in Mexico because the leases are bad. And I, I have all these thoughts. I, I just well, heard. Well, I, I vice chair the the international committee. I'll, yeah, well, I'll he's make a vice sure chair. Well, let's do it together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So also. But I, I, I can do it from from the street aspect. Right. right. And you can do it from the in fact, from the I'm, legal a, I'm a guest speaker tomorrow, by the way, in Tijuana at the uh, a big uh, real estate emporium event. 
and they have me as one of the guest speaker on the panel. I no, don't speak Spanish, but they say you don't less have tequila to. this time. Yeah, so okay. that's going to be fun. Just, all right, what I have a, a question I want to ask to you because question. this is for the kids out there. There's a lot of kids in high school that are very similar to you. That they're not doing. They're they're not really scoring high in math. They're not scoring high in reading, and they're 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 drifting a little bit. This COVID pandemic shutdown really did a, a number on a lot of kids. Yeah. And you went into the military for eight years. So what would your suggestion be? I wouldn't be? recommend that, by the way. I didn't okay. go into the military for four. Okay. Or, but what would your recommendation be to some kid who's not really not really on the college track and maybe not on even, not even on the trade the trade school track, just kind of would what would you recommend? Uh, I wanna I wanna make that's that's a question that it's a tough that, one that has to be answered with respect for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, boys and girls, I'm so including. So, if if I was graduating from high school, and I also want to include graduating from junior college or graduating from college or graduating with a master's degree. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody a secret. It would make so much more sense to take those tickets, right? And that's what I call those university diplomas. Take those tickets and go into real estate than any other career. So, so whether, whether you're the kid that is struggling in high school, right, or whether you're the kid graduating from Stanford, the best place in the world to make money and have the best career and the happiest life you can have is in the residential real estate business. I have a, I have a nephew who I, I, I sent through nine years of school. When he got all through school, he, he didn't want to be the attorney. He, he, he had gotten the license to be uh, with passing the everything, the bar, all the rest of that stuff. He didn't want to be the scientist that he had the degrees to be. He, he wanted to do what he was best at, which was gaming, right? He plays games better right. than mm-hmm. anybody else, which is really coding, so he works for Netflix. Wow. Right? And he's tremendously successful, but he's one out of hundreds of kids that have all of these degrees and, and haven't found their place. Right. right. And get get literally worked like like slavery in in places where the the, the system eats them up. It's much less dangerous to go out and try to work right out of high school than it is to get a master's degree and go out and get turned down. Right. <laughs> My God, you, you feel like like you and did you all of debt. this and now there's no you know, so so my my suggestion is always to young people, figure out a way to go to junior college, right? Don't, don't do what I did. Uh, get, through, get through high school, uh, meet some realtors, uh, meet some great realtor companies, get in, get in any kind of a uh, association with them, work your summers with them, uh, Work in the in the back room, help assist a really great real estate agent, any of those kinds of things. But get through junior college, 
Because today in, in California, if you can get through junior college, right, you can automatically, if you have a reasonable set of degrees, go to, to San Diego That's State. Correct. So, so get, uh, no one should take my route, right? It, it, people will say, well, you did it without, uh, oh, don't yeah. you believe it. Uh, I went to, I, I, uh, once I got back, I had to go through all the education that everybody else had to. I just had to do it at night with no fun. Right, 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 right. right. I got you. It, it, you know, ha- have the fun. Go out, go out and, and get through the university, but don't you dare just waste that time. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that, that I believe, and, and it's a pet peeve with mine, that, that are in school just wasting, just time. wasting right. time. Yeah, weird Learn everything you can. Go to every class you can. Absolutely study as hard as you can because you will later. Mm-hmm. And I, right. I, I, I said – you know, my life changed on an aircraft carrier in a library smaller than this room, right? After working 16 hours a day, seven days a week for three and a half months, I was in the library and I got John Maynard Keynes' book on economics. And I opened it up and I read it, right? And I read, profit is directly proportionate to risk. John Maynard Keynes, I closed the book and went out and took the risk. Right, that's that's an extraordinary uh, bit of luck. I, I I don't think you ought to to do luck. I I, I gave a commencement speech to all the uh, all the kids that were graduating from junior college at the Jenny Craig Center, and and you know what commencement speeches are like, of right? Of course. Nobody wants to listen yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to go. Everybody wants to be gone. So I'm uh, the whole Jenny Craig Center is filled. And I got the professors from all the junior colleges there, and it's a big event for me. And, and I, I'm proud to get to, to get up there. So I walk up. Everybody's waiting to party. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to be there. Right. Like, oh, no. And they got to listen to me. So I walked up and I said, uh, my name is Steve Games, and I am an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I woke the whole place up. <laughs> Everybody started paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. Just immediately. And I turned around to the dean of, of colleges for San Diego and all <laughs> the rest of that. And I looked at her and I sorry, wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and I got everybody's yeah, attention. That's it. Right. That's and so I, I, I told two stories, and I'd like to, to share them with you because we probably conclude. And, and okay. Frank, both of you, thank you so much for having me here. Oh, oh, it's an honor. Come on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You told me when I f- met you and you said you do my podcast and you shook my hand and you really did and then you really came here. Uh, my level of respect for you from meeting you for five seconds having a coffee has just skyrocketed. Well, uh, every once in a while you get hit like that and you did it. So thank, well, thank you. Thank you. So, so I, I'm – I'm going to give a commencement speech, and and my credibility is that that I I sold companies and had huge successes, made a lot of money. I made a lot of money, and so I, I'm in front of everybody, and everybody knows that. At least in my head, everybody knows that I didn't go to school and I didn't do well and so forth. And so, I'm talking to kids who are halfway through. Mm-hmm. Right? But they got through junior college, which I think I emphasized how important it is not to just get – you can get into junior college no matter what you did in high mm-hmm. school. 
Right. And so talking to these kids, and I said, look, I, I, I want to explain to you uh, about Johnny. And, and Johnny uh, was having a tough time in his life, and, and he, he decided uh, that he was losing everything, and, and he lost his family, and he lost his job, and he lost his money, and he lost his courage and everything else. And in, in a short time, he decided that there was only one hope left, and that was he needed to win the lottery. Mm-hmm. And so, so he prayed and prayed and prayed. And this, by the way, is at the Catholic University. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I said, uh, he prayed and prayed and prayed, and he asked God, help him, help him. And it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. And he kept praying he was going to win the lottery. So he decided he's just in the wrong cathedral. He needs to go to a bigger cathedral. So he goes to the biggest cathedral he can find, and he's on his knees, and he's praying to the Lord to, to let him win the lottery. And this giant booming voice comes out of the top of the cathedral and says, Johnny, do me a favor. Buy a ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. So you just graduated from junior college, and it's your ticket. It's your ticket to life. If you want to go out now, go out now. If you want to go on, get another ticket. But whatever you do, don't believe you're in the game. You only have the ticket to go to the game. Got it. Right. That's it. Now you have to prove that you're willing to take the risk, to beat the standard, to continue to get educated, to take right. the risk and go out and win. Right. right. And that's cool. That's what I want you to do. And and the, standing ovation. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. people went crazy about it. And and I said, but wait, I have the other story to tell you. <laughs> now that you have your ticket. And he said. What's the other story? And I, you know, you could hear the crowd. They yeah, want, they want to hear it. They didn't yeah. want to leave. They right. wanted right. to actually hear me. And so I said, I said, I got to tell you about about a commander that I went to listen to after the Vietnam War, who had been a prisoner of war for six years, mm. and and out of respect and out of love for my country and the military and people who sacrificed, I went to listen to him, mm-hmm. and it was a it was an emotional speech, and I, I listened to him, and I appreciated him. And, and at the end of, of his speech, everybody could line up and shake hands with him. And so I got in the line to line up, and now I've got this crowd out there, and they're listening to me, and I, they don't know anything about, about the war and all the rest of this. And I said, like, I got in line, and the guy in front of me is really quiet. And he gets up and, and he looks at the commander. I'm next. He looks at the commander. He shakes his hand and he says, Commander, do you remember me? And the commander looks at him and says, No, I don't, I don't recognize you. Should I? And the guy starts to turn away and he walks away and he looks back. He just walked away from the commander and he looks back and he says, I wish you'd remembered me and walked away. And before he got out of the room, the commander shouts out, excuse me, excuse me, but why should I remember you? And, hmm. and the man looked at him and said, because I'm the one who packed your parachute. Hmm. And I turned to the 3,000 people that were in the Jenny Craig Center for the 600 kids that were graduating. And I said to the kids in the, in the center, I said, stand up and salute these people 
Right. They packed your parachute. That's right. Right? Or you wouldn't have your ticket. And the place went nuts. Went absolutely wild. And they'll never forget it. They they will tell that I story. I can picture right now. And right? That's a good story. And, and, and what you need in your life is to find people around you at any level of wealth uh, that you can introduce yourself to that'll help you pack your parachute. That's the best. That's a good ending. I have, I have one thing to say I would uh, a request. This is your assignment. You need to write a book uh, because you have what's missing in real estate, I see in our industry, and, and currently I'm the president, you know, 2023. Yeah. What we lack here is not rules, regulations, laws. We lack wisdom. And you cannot – there's not people we can talk to that can – that have the wisdom that people like you have. Well, so such a just, just think it. about it because it's, it's, it's your stories. It's the wisdom in your stories that can't, that no one else can tell. But until he writes that book, yeah, we got to get it back. We have the podcast. We have the podcast when it's going to be a lot of people going to listen to it. And we do these things called reels where we take segments out. You know, we, the guys Mark, over but here. He knows what reels are. I mean, the, yeah. So, yeah. so let, okay, me give well. you a, let me give you a teaser. <laughs> he knows what YouTube is, okay? He's, well, he's been yeah, around, okay. but he knows what's up. <laughs> let, let me give you a teaser on something. There's a I'd thing like called be, the internet. Right. Yeah, okay. I'd like to be back, <laughs> yeah. all right? Yes. And, and let, me, let, let me tell you, uh, there, there's a guy uh, uh, who just came to work uh, here. I think his name is Howard Kurtz. Yeah, yeah good guy. Very, super cool. And, and I've known Howard, and he's helped me with things for 30 years. Right. Love right? Howard. And, and he's, yeah, he's a special guy. And one day he called me and he said, the, the boss wants you to come to breakfast. And, and his boss was, was a guy named, uh, uh, was it Copley or Manchester? No, I'm getting my, uh, it was, uh, uh, Gene Klein. Okay. I remember him. It was, uh, it wasn't Gene. Gene's another one of my guys. Let me think of his name. But anyway, Morgan. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to come come for the for the boss, right? And uh, uh, I show up at a breakfast, right? And the boss is there, and he's invited me because he thinks that that I'd be right for the table. Now, all my all my life, all my life, I I have had two dreams. One is that I walked into a room and I. Everybody in the table is so much smarter than me that I don't understand what they're saying, and I embarrass myself and my family. Mm-hmm. Second one is that I can't, uh, and I'm going to be left behind because I can't tie my shoes. Right. Mm. So there are some kids that should relate to the fact that they they've been left behind because they couldn't tie their shoes. <sighs> right. And there are are people who live in fear that the people in the room. Uh, are going to be uh, much smarter than than them. So so I walk in, and the boss is Herb Klein, mm-hmm. right? And Herb is is in my estimation one of the most kind, wonderful, powerful people in the world. Yeah, I met he, him. He was probably uh, one of the of the most important. Uh, he happened to be a Republican. He could have been a Democrat, but. 
it was one of the most influential people in who was going to become the next president or who was or any of that kind of stuff. He was the editor-in-chief of the Copley Press, right? So he demand. And Herbert invited me to breakfast, and I've shown my ID, and I sit down at the table for breakfast with Herb and Henry Kissinger. Wow. Really? And George Bush. Wow. As the acting president. He's he's. He's the president at that time, George Sr., and Colin Powell. Are there? Are all at the table. <laughs> nice breakfast. Right? Wow. And so I, I, I do what I always do. And, and what, what should bring us back to the yeah, microphone a few laugh. times. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sitting with these people, and, and uh, I always ask the important people that I've met in my life, and, and like Ralph Lauren or whoever it was, I— I can relate some really great stories to how people were successful, but these guys are it, right? right? right. And so Colin Powell is in his complete military uniform. He's the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time. He's the most impressive single human being I've ever sat in a room with. He makes Henry Kissinger and George Bush look like shadows Mm -hmm. in comparison to who this powerful man is in my mind. Right. Right? So I'm having breakfast with him, and and, uh, I— I said to each each one of them, I did not talk uh, or get the opportunity to talk to to Kissinger in the same way. But I asked uh, Powell, I said, General, could you tell me a story about something that nobody's ever read about you? The book, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And he hadn't written his book yet. And I said, could you tell me a story about something that you think is funny and intelligent to talk about? Because I'm a storyteller and I'd like to tell a story about you that nobody's heard. He said, certainly. And I, I said, well, General, what's the story? And he said, well, he said, I was in the room with George and Henry, right? Uh, and the other person at the table uh, was uh, President Gorbachev. He said, and I was looking at Gorbachev, and Gorbachev is talking, and, and he stops, and he looks at me, and he says, General... He says, uh, you have to quit bad-looking me. Oh. And, and General Powell says, I'm not bad-looking you. And he says, yeah, you're bad-looking me. <laughs> he says, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to stay in a meeting if you keep bad-looking me. He says, uh, he says it's just not going to work that way. And Powell says, okay, I, I, I won't bad. And he says, but you were bad-looking <laughs> me. And he says, he says, and I know why. And Powell says, why? Would I bad look you? And he says, because that from the day you put on that uniform until the day I'm sitting here in front of you, I have been your only enemy. I am who you have fought through your entire military career. I am the enemy. Huh. And Powell said, okay, right. he, it, because it's, it's not True. debatable. Yeah, In right. Powell's right. career, that's who it was. Right. You know, right. That was it. And and Gorbachev looks at him and he says, he says, okay, he says, uh, no reason to bad look me anymore. I am here surrendering the world to you. You won. Wow. So that's a true story. I am yes. Ooh. He says I'm here surrendering the world to you. You won. And and Powell felt he quit bad looking him. And, and at the end of, of the meeting, he, t- he turns to him and, and he says, 
you know, goodbye. And, and Gorbachev looks at him and he says, oh, and by the way, he says, you're lost now because you don't have an enemy. But he said, the three of you will find one really soon. Oh, God. Right. And what happened next? Yeah. yeah. The rest is history. Right. So, so they're going to they're gonna have a they're, they're going to have a meeting and and my friend Herb Klein says to me it's time for Steve to leave he can't be in the, in the rest of this meeting he said and and uh, he says George do you this is president George he says right. George he says uh, he says do you know why I brought Steve to the meeting and uh, president George Bush looks at at all of us and looks at me and he says, I'm sure I know why. And uh, you hit on it just earlier. And, and uh, uh, he says, he says, well, why did I bring him? And President Bush says, because he's the only funny friend you have. There you go, right. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment. Right. And I, and Wait, I, well, all those guys. So, so my life has been about those kinds of, of learning experiences and respect and, and people that that most people don't come in contact with, and why don't they? They, they don't they don't get out, work hard enough, and show up. You, you know, right. if there's one last lesson to learn, whenever you get invited to anything, or you get asked to speak, or you get a chance take to it. be on a podcast, right. take, take the it. damn chance. Right, exactly. Right, take That's the chance. I want. If you want to go to Mexico, I'm in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's 100%. no question about it. I'm not worried. Let me ask you one more thing, because those people you just mentioned, was this before or after the invasion of Kuwait? Five hours before. What? That's what it was about. So five hours. So I don't know whether it's five hours right, right. Or, or 15 or 20. So they were talking hours. about. That's that's the meeting I couldn't be in. Wow. Huh. Yeah, because that, that, that picture reminds me of. Not going, not not Iraq. They just they just got Kuwait and they got that row of cars, whatever right. the death row. You know, it it, it that's crazy. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't. Rem- I'm so bad, Frank, with time. Right, I am too. I know that that what they did in the next meeting was launch a war. Wow, right, that's heavy. right. And and I know uh, that that uh, they were right. I didn't need to be in the meeting. Right. So, I, I look at. I look at the times and the and the people, the people that had the power that abused it. Right. Uh, you know, I look at a thing called absolute power, and absolute power means that you can you can circumvent the rules, and there's lots of people with absolute power. Yes. And I I recommend that that we we as human beings with compassion stay as far away from them as we can. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't desire to be that important. It, it, it has to be. You are. <clears throat> I think you have a lot to pass on. I think you're doing it. I'm really proud of you, by the way. I have a lot of respect for you because you are you are there to help people, especially veterans and, and kids. And I'm, I like your background that you didn't know where to go. I kind of had the same thing. I really didn't fit in high school. Grades were like average, but I'm like, what am I going to do? I went, I, but the, I did what you said. I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to jump into college and see where that takes me. And meeting in the relationships I met as opposed to the classes is where I, I, I built, you know, some a, a place to be successful and, and got motivated. So thank you for that. So, so Frank, I did a, a my last, now I'm, remember I'm, 
I'm wanting all your help because I'm going back to be the people that I'm most proud of. I'm mm-hmm. going to be one of them. I'm going to be a real estate agent on a team uh, in the most important time in history to sell the American dream. I'm going to do that, but I, I, I cannot emphasize enough that we, we have to keep talking to each other. Hundred percent, and and we 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 have to share these stories right. because w- without them, without history, there is no future. Correct. I and believe that with the industry too. Just to, just to do a shout out, we have a few associations in San Diego. My my goal as the president is also to stop with the silos and start making a community for the the industry. You know, we have to stop isolating ourselves, but we need to speak as one industry because the industry is always being attacked and challenged. Private property rights are being slammed. That's what I'm into. And we can't do it individually with, you know, my association does this, I'm better than you. We have to come together as an industry. So the, the, one of my goals is to get, get everyone talking. Well, you don't, in my opinion, you don't have any right to do anything else. Right, you you don't have the right to tell me that the other association isn't any good and I shouldn't belong. You don't have the right. right to tell me I should belong to this one and not that one. Absolutely. You have the the challenge to to get me to the best place for me, and I have to have the right to make that decision. But once that selection is made, we have to work in absolute concert to make sure, as you're describing, that that. All of us are singing from the same book, right. and and there's there's too much petty, right? Too too, too exactly. many things. Thank you. That's what it's I'm too hard to interact, and and I have and represent people in all of the associations. Absolutely. And and the reason I'm here is because I believe that the challenge to make that happen falls on the largest association of the bunch, right? And Man, you are it. Yeah, man. Right? And I so, got your help. I want to say thank I would, you. I'm glad to hear that that's what you want to do. No, hundred percent. And yeah. those associations know that that's what I'm about. But I, I wanna I wanna invite you back to, and we'll just we'll call it Let's Talk Mexico. Okay. Because he actually built a resort. He just told me these things that I was also ignorant on how to buy properties. I, I always think that the cartel is gonna come in and take it or your lease is well, up. And and since you're going to Mexico tomorrow, let's just right. do a little teaser. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Let, okay. let's just let's just make sure. I should bring you with me. That that you understand that Mexico has to deal with bad press all, all the, time. the time. All right? right, because it's easier to put the focus on Mexico than it is to put to, the, uh, the focus on us. <laughs> I've been going Our to scapegoat. Mexico. My mother, my mother called me. Uh, the principal called my mother. Uh, she picked me up uh, from junior high school. First year of junior high school, I got expelled. Mm-hmm. Now, that's hard to do, <laughs> right? But my mother picked me up. She was a pilot, and she was a private pilot, and we went to Hollywood Burbank Airport, and she flew me to La Paz in uh, 1963. year I was born. Yeah, 1963. 60 and, years ago. And, and so I have experience in Mexico. Mexico, oh my gosh. And, and it's important to note that, that I hear all the time, because I have 
investments in Mexico, people will say, well, I'd never go there. That's too dangerous. Please take Chicago. Oh, God. Uh, New York. I already know what you're going to say. Uh, St. Louis. Right, Detroit. Los Angeles. Yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Off of your list of places to go. Right. They are more dangerous <laughs> than Mexico City. Yeah. 100%. Right? And, and it's just so wrong. Okay, good. That that we have people that are constantly... Well, let's break down that wall. Yeah, yeah. Let's break it's, it down. It, it's wrong. And I need to tell you about the the, the article they wrote about the wall. Uh, I went to Mexico City and did a, did a interview uh, for the main newspaper about the wall. Uh, back when, when it was... Not, it, it was the older wall. Okay, gotcha. And how I feel about it. So we're going to have a really exciting a good talk. I good. promise. Thank you. you so much, my Thank brother. You. Really Thank good you, to Steve. see you. Thank so you. Nice to meet you. And uh, if you ever need the Powell Brothers, if you ever need San Diego Association Realtors, we're here for you. We're here for Peter. Love you guys at Colwell, Colwell Banker West. Shout out uh, a new a new time, a new era. You're going to take it, and you're going to prove to all these agents that no matter what anyone says about the market. There's a market in the market, and I think you're going to prove it again and bring it back up. Well, and uh, a shout-out to the to the great people that are running the great teams. Right. There are some that, that I don't have any respect for, but the majority of the people in the business, uh, I want to be one more reason for why they make a deal. Yeah. Because right. that cooperation is what matters, right. and you can only get to the top through that kind of cooperation. I agree with you. Yeah. We have to work together as an industry, as broker to broker, realtor to realtor. Just work together. Make the deal. Thanks, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Again, a shake again. your hand. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everyone. We're done. It's a wrap.